This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast, episode 160. I went to college looking to be a pre-med student, and we had to take all sorts of liberal arts classes, so I was required to take an art history class, and I remember calling my mom my freshman year saying, I hate chemistry, and I love art history. I I can't be a pre-med. I have to do this, and I don't know what I'm going to do with it, and I'm so sorry. Hey, HTYCers. If you've been struggling to figure out work that fits you, then join our eight-day free mini course. All you have to do is text HTYC to 38470. That's HTYC to 38470 or simply visit figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. See you there. This has happened to your career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. Hey, this is Scott, and we are back on Happened to Your Career, and I'm so very excited today because I have a guest with Quite frankly, I think a pretty interesting story and some things that I think all of you HTYCers are going to be able to relate to. And she has she's made the time to come and talk to us. And I, I really just want to introduce her to you. This is Lindsay Maroney. M- Lindsay, hey, welcome to Happen to Your Career, first of all. Thank you so much, Scott. I'm so excited to be here. I really enjoy your podcast. Very cool. And I'm so glad that uh, that you've listened before. That uh, that makes this even more fun. And since uh, you've gotten to hear some other people's stories listening <laughs> listening in our podcast, now we get to actually dig and dive into yours. So I am I, I'm curious, what do you tell people you do now? And not just your title, but what do you actually do during the day? Help people understand that first as a starting point. Sure. That's a really great question because I actually I struggle to explain that. So I often change it a little bit depending on who I'm speaking with to sort of make it little bit more relevant to the situation. Um, But my title is the Vice President of Strategy and Operations at The Muse. Uh, The Muse is a uh, career advice website. We have everything from advice content similar to uh, what you're listening to and happened to your career. Um, And we have career coaches. And we also have a sort of behind the scenes look into companies that are hiring. So you can get a sense of day in the life of what it's like to work there. Um, And so I have helped The Muse scale basically i joined before uh, we, we raised our series a and i was brought on by our uh two co-founders our ceo and our coo to help scale out the operations uh so that's what i've done i've built us up from a 20 person company to a 135 person company um everything that's required to make the business grow and uh uh, and to help our users and our clients. Very so that's cool. everything from yeah, operational things to HR, talent, finance, accounting, all different types of things. Oh, yeah. And I I know from personal experience that there's so much that gets wrapped up in there. So exactly. <laughs> I, can, I can understand the hesitation in, in describing, <laughs> well, what, huh, like, how do I fit it into, I don't know, less than an hour worth of description? Yeah, yeah exactly. And make it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and I got to say, too, um, I, I'm willing to bet that 
HTY series are pretty familiar with the, the Muse. If you're not, go over there, check it out. We're actually a contributor on the on the Muse for different types of articles and things like that. So you'll find that over there as well. But great site. Been there a number of times. Would absolutely recommend it as a resource. So thank you so much for bringing that part oh, up too. Thanks, Scott. Thanks a lot. So here's what I know though is this hasn't been what you've always done necessarily and certainly not always in in this way so i'm really curious where this all starts for you let's let's reach way back here maybe not to age two although i don't know maybe we'll hit there but but where where does this all start for you in your career that's a great question um i went to college uh as looking to be a pre-med student. So uh, it started off very different from where I am now. Um, and I happened to, I went to uh, the College of William & Mary, which is a state school in Virginia. Um, and we had to take all sorts of liberal arts classes. So I was required to take um, an art history class. And that ended up being just such a passion for me. And I remember calling my mom very sort of upset my freshman year saying, I, I just, I, I hate chemistry and I love art history. I, I can't be a pre-med. I have to do this and I don't know what I'm going to do with it. And I'm so sorry. Uh, and uh, my mom, funny enough, was an art major in college. So she <laughs> was very supportive of the change. Um, and uh, it really was a passion for me. Uh, it was the classes, the art history classes I was taking were just like just such a joy. You know, it, it didn't feel like work. And that's always been what I've, I've sought out to really find, uh, find work that has that is something you could be passionate about that you can really just sink yourself into, get lost in and enjoy. And art history was that for me in college. Um, and so post-college, it was, okay, well, now what do I do with that? It's now such a what? scary time. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're trying to figure it out. Um, and I think pre-med had been appealing because there was such a clear path of where to go next and, and what would happen. And, and so when I was trying to figure out what to do next, um, I knew I wanted to be in New York City. Um, I had lived originally in New York as a child um, on Long Island, and it just made sense to go back there to be part of the art world. Uh, so I, I moved back without a job uh, the fall after my graduation and began to apply to you know, every gallery job, every auction house job, every, uh, every anything that I could find. Um, this was in 2004. Yeah. Uh, and um, I... I landed a job at a uh, website called Artnet, and uh, Artnet was and is a sort of preeminent art website that helps people in the art world really understand the value of their artworks. Um, it helps them buy and sell art. There's online auctions for art. It's very much a, a support tool for the art world. Um, and so I began to learn a different side of the art world than I had learned in school, and it was very much the business side of, of art. And again, found myself very much sinking into it, finding that it was it didn't feel like work. It was very much a passion. Um, and I I think that's where I've spent such a huge chunk of my career that it uh, it's led me to, to all the different changes that have come since then. Okay, so I'm super curious about that. What's, what's something people wouldn't know about the business side of the art world? That's not apparent <laughs> outside looking in. Huh, um, that's a great question. It's... It's such an interesting world because it's actually a, a pretty small world. Yeah. Um, you start to really get to know the key players, um, and you you really start to feel like it's yeah, it's, it's sort of a, it's a small world, um, and and that's great. And it's a a world that's very international. Um, there are sort of art fairs and sort of business of art. There's a lot of traveling involved. There's a lot of going to uh, 
to really to see it, but it does take you pretty far away from why I got into art in the first place, which is the sort of human side of art, which is the the creation of, uh, of and, and uh, creativity. Yeah. Um, so it, it got me further and further away from that and more and more into the business, the sort of uh, working with galleries and clients and um, really thinking about how we could grow the business and profits and uh, all the sort of operational side of running a business. So you got to, I'm curious, this is, this yeah. is totally coming from a selfish perspective right now, this next question, but from your perspective, um, did, did you get to spend, first of all, did you get to spend any time in, in Paris? <laughs> um, not specifically for work. No, we had a, an office in Berlin. Um, yeah. and so I spent a good amount of time there, uh, but not in Paris. Okay. Dang it. I, I do love Paris, uh, but not for work. <laughs> I was just curious. I'm going to be in, I'm going to be living in Paris for a little over a month or so, something along those lines. And I love art and art history. So I was going to get your, your opinion on what I should, uh, what I should take my family to see, do. Oh my gosh. Everything and anything there. Everything (laughs) is wonderful. Uh, All the, I mean, I love all the churches and all the museums there. You can't go wrong, really. Everything you do. Uh, But some of the small ones, like the Rodin Museum, Picasso Museum can be really intimate and beautiful. Cool. Very cool. Okay. So let's move on from a selfish question and then instead <laughs> have a wonderful time. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to it it's and amazing. I'm, I'm soliciting advice all over the place. So <laughs> you're my Don't latest subject, but, uh, on that note though, you said a couple of things that I think are, are really interesting. One, you said, you know, first of all, I had a tendency to or you know, in the more recent parts of your career, I've had a tendency to gravitate towards the places where it didn't feel like work. But prior to that, you said, Hey, I, you know, I think I was in that pre-med because it was such a clear path. And I'm super curious what your thoughts are on that is, do you think a lot of people end up in those type of either occupations or industries for that reason that there's an identified, um, well-known path, or do you think it's other other reasons like pre-med or attorney or any, I think oh I think of a lot of them. Yeah. I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I, I do have friends who are lawyers who would say they went into it because law school was an obvious choice after college and they weren't sure what else to do or friends who went to grad school because they couldn't, they didn't know what to do right out of college. And so grad yeah. school was a logical next step. Um, so I totally get that. I mean, I, I absolutely relate to it. And, and, I found the change from pre-med to art history terrifying. I mean, just really a, a stressful change. But at the same time, I had it felt like I had no choice. Like it was just what I had to do. So, so I'm really curious about that because I think some people end up in that terrifying place mm-hmm. where they don't make the change and they don't feel like it's just what they had to do. So, what do you think was the was it really, you know, that conversation with your mom or was, what, what was the crux, if you will? It is probably part of that support system um, that I, I, I've always been very supported by my parents to do what's right and, um, and to do what I, I really believe in and to be very authentic to myself. Um, and, and I think that support system absolutely helped and made a difference. Um, I'm also very big on just talking things out. So it's a lot of talking it out with my mom, talking it out with my friends, with peers, with people I supported and, and trying to get connections. Um, you know, my, my dad is in, in banking, so he kept 
being like, well, what if you just talk to this friend? You could just get a job right out of college, just entry-level banking. Like, yeah, just try yeah. some, you know, like, like, it was a world that he understood. And, and I really appreciated that he wanted that for me. And then one of the people he ended up connecting me to was a friend of his, um, I think it was his sister, who worked at an auction house. Um, and she was generous enough to give me some of her time. And I... It, she just seemed like such a uh, a grown up who had turned uh, a passion into a real job and, and a life in New York City and um, and that so I think it was people like that who made it real. Uh, I ended up interning at a, a gallery uh, while working at Artnet, so I interned on the nights and weekends and um, and again I, I got really close to the director, the gallery director. I'm still very good friends with her and, and she was such a wonderful mentor just to, to make it seem like it's it's possible this sort of creative world this world outside of of a logical path is uh is safe is is something i can still do uh, because i think you want to have a clear or at least i wanted to have a clear career path i wanted to know that uh, i could take care of myself does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, totally. And I'm just, th I'm thinking about it from what I hear all the time, because obviously we, as a company, spend a lot of time helping people in that space. Mm -hmm. And certainly you do at the, at the muse as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's part of the reason that you guys exist. I, I, I think that you're right on though. I think a lot of people share that sentiment with, I really want to have a clear career path and it is. I think you said terrifying is the word when, when you don't, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think I found that I, as long as I didn't say no, I kept having an interesting next step. And so I tried very hard not to plan out my five, 10 next years of what I didn't have an end goal in mind. I never thought, well, if I do these things, I'll end up at the muse. Um, it was always, if I just say yes, or if I just try this next step, where will that next step get me? So I said yes to to Artnet. It was a strange job. It was a market research job where I was calling galleries yeah. uh, around the world and just researching them and telling them about Artnet. And that, to me, like like doing this podcast, speaking on the phone, these things are, are not who I am. I'm an introvert. That's very stressful for me. But I just kept saying yes. And I was like, you know what? I'll try it. See how it goes. Um, then a job opened up in another department. I was doing a good job. They pulled me over, offered me that position, and that kept happening. And I kept just saying, "Sure, like I don't, I don't know if I want to do that as a career, but let me try it. Let me see if I can do it." Um, and it, and that sort of saying yes, and and if a project came up, raising my hand for it and saying, "Let me try that. Let me try this," um, just kept taking me on steps that were really wonderful. Um, and yes, scary sometimes in the moment, but um, really important for me to to keep trying new things and letting it see where it takes me. So that's very interesting to me, Lindsay, in terms of it seems like really some of the in listening to your tone of voice and how you're describing some of these things, as you've said yes to these different experiences opportunities, whatever, those have been both outside your comfort zone, it sounds like. Is that yes, fair? absolutely. <laughs> and at the same time, led you some of the places it sounds like now you either wouldn't have been in the first place or um, just happened to be really, really good experiences in the in the long run or some of the better things have, have happened because of that. Am I, am I getting that right, first of all? 
Yes, absolutely. Okay, so then second of all, what made it easier to be able to say yes? Because, you know, I, much like you, I'm an introvert. I've learned to operate as an extrovert or need be, (laughs) but I'm very, very introverted and this stuff doesn't necessarily come naturally for me either. So what, what have you done throughout, you know, the last 10 years or so that has really helped it make easier to say yes when, even though you don't want to. Uh, I'd love to ask you that same question, Scott. <laughs> okay, well, let's. Okay, we can we can go both ways. <laughs> let's do this. Okay, um, I think I've uh, worked really hard to be prepared. Um, so going into this podcast, listening to happen to your career beforehand, so I know what it's about. Um, uh, having help from my colleagues doing research uh, to prep for it. Um, trying to think through what kinds of questions you would ask me, you know, doing all this sort of homework to come in as prepared as I can to be, to help me minimize my nerves and my stress. Um, how about you? Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've done some of those same things because I'm the type of person very much that I'm terrible on the fly, quite frankly. I wish, <laughs> I, was, I wish I was one of those That's people who just, here. <laughs> well, it's, it, for something like this, say an example, I mean, we're kind of going on the fly in terms of conversation, but I've done hundreds and hundreds of interviews. So it, it's not really on the fly. It's like what I do all the time. You can think about it that way. But if I'm, let's say, uh, I don't know, I, when I was learning to do public speaking, when I, I could not just get up, I'd have to prep like three times more than anybody else. So I wish I was that person who could just pull it out of wherever, but I'm not. So for me, it was the prep as well. So I totally agree with that. You know, another thing that has been more recent in the last about five years for me has been really paying attention to when I feel scared about stuff, because I've realized that when I feel scared about something, that means it actually matters to me in some way, shape or form. And as weird and as backwards as that sounds, I realize that if something matters to me, then I should probably do it and I should probably not push it away, but instead embrace it, even though that is incredibly difficult. So for me, it's been paying attention to those internal signs much, much better than what I used to 10, 10 plus years ago, because I would typically run the other way. I'm like, oh, that sounds like it would suck. Oh, no. (laughs) And I'd be scared to death of it, but I'd really just be telling myself that it was going to suck because I was scared of it, not because it was uh, you know, less than great opportunity. So I I think that's been a big thing. That's great. I really love that. I think, I think you're right. I think I I take the time to prep because I care so much about doing a good job. And so you're right. It's absolutely those, maybe we're, uh, adrenaline junkies. You know, we we like, (laughs) I love that. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Hey, I just want to cut in here and tell you that we've been good so many questions from our listeners about how to actually use your strengths to get hired, how to career change with them, that we put together the ultimate guide to using your strengths to get hired. And I want you to be able to take advantage of it because in this guide, we actually go through and talk about how strengths operate differently than what you think they do and why they can be one of the keys to doing work that you love and how you can actually do that. Plus, We talk about four specific ways to get started immediately, identify what we call your signature strengths, and then even how to represent those strengths in the interview process. And and we go into how to answer some of the most common questions that you would get to. So if you want all that and a whole bunch more, there's a lot packed into this, into this guide, we can send it over right away. All you have to do is text my strengths 
That's strengths, plural. My strengths, no space, plural, to 44222. We'll ask you for what your email address and where you want us to send it, and then we'll pop it right over. That's it. That's all you have to do. My strengths. Go ahead and text that to 44222. Okay, so let me let me pull you back here and say sure. uh, I'm I'm really curious about the rest of the story because you got into you got into art history you had the conversation with your mom she uh fortunately was slightly biased because she was in art and you know she'd head down that down that path so it sent you down a whole bunch of different experiences you got into it and what happened from there what happened from there now that you're in in the thick of it because you did a few different opportunities in a few different areas it, it really sounds like so what what transpired from that point Sure. Um, no, it's a great question. Basically, it was things that kept coming up in the job where, like I said, I raised my hand and said yes, and I was excited to try things. So I was uh, supporting some, some clients for a product, and at the same time, we didn't have a full built-out uh, sort of product management team. So I started to work with the uh, development team uh, representing the, the client and the product, and sort of became a product manager over time. And then I transitioned over into the tech team and, and worked with the tech team and started managing. Like, so it, it, things that would come up, I would start, I would raise my hand, I would get involved, I would uh, get, just do the work for it. Um, and so more and more opportunities would open up and I would try different jobs. And so, uh, yeah, like you said, I got pulled into several different roles that I would never have anticipated with my art history degree. Um, and at a certain point, I'd worked in almost every department in that company at Artnet. Uh, and it hit a point where we needed to really restructure the internal workings of the organization um, yeah. and create sort of an, op- an operations team. And um, uh, I was able, I had the opportunity to get to do that, uh, which was really exciting. So um, I ended up reorging a lot of things with the uh, CEO who I'd worked really closely with for years. So it was a really nice partnership. Uh, and uh, we were able to make some really great changes that uh, helped the business a lot, really uh, created some new efficiencies, a lot of cost savings um, without uh, doing too many negative things. It was it was a really great change. Um, so that's where I be- when I became the vice president of operations for Artnet. Um, and again, not a role I had anticipated. It was not even a role that had existed at Artnet. They uh, literally created it to allow me to... Uh, put some great changes in place. Um, so this was a few years back, and uh, I ran those different departments as VP of Operations for a couple years. Uh, and I'd been at Artnet for about 10 years, almost 10 years, when it sort of started to feel like things were working. I'd put a lot of change in place, um, and I was trying to figure out what was next. Uh, and that's what led me to where I am today. And now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> Or close, anyways, because yeah. <laughs> there's more that happened uh, certainly at the uh, at the Muse as well, just in yeah. in the time that you've been there. But before we delve into any of that, I'm curious how you think about this looking back, because I I've been in a similar place where I've said yes to a lot of different things, and that has created additional opportunities. And even had opportunities or projects or a number of other things created for me as a result of of those saying yes. Mm -hmm. But I've also been on the opposite side of that, too, where um, 
opportunities have come up that probably would have been bad for me as well had I said yes to them. So I'm curious, first of all, did you did you truly say yes to everything? And then on the flip side, what are some of the things that you said no to if you didn't say yes to everything? <laughs> Gosh, um, it's harder to remember those because they they don't take you I know. <laughs> on a path. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure I must have said no to things. Um, but... Uh, I, yeah, it's the it's the yeses that are that are stuck in my memory because they are what created that just a, a logical path. Basically, I went from sort of market research to client service to being a product manager to managing IT team under the CIO to uh, you know starting to build out the operations, building a content department, building a business intelligence department, um, all these sorts of things that keep the business running. Um, and I think. I wish I could think of a good example of a no, but uh, but I really can't. I I guess it would have been something like leaving New York or, or leaving the art world sooner than I did, and and I I just really I was very devoted to yeah. to the, my years at Artnet. I really loved my team. I, I built up this uh, this wonderful operations team, and some of whom I still work with today. And uh, I was very very devoted to them, and, and I loved the opportunity to to get to see them grow, to build them up, to uh, to mentor them, um, and yeah. So that's really what sticks in my mind as as having been a wonderful experience. See if I if I knew that I was going to ask that particular question, I would have done you solid <laughs> as one introvert who preps to another, but and sent you the question in advance. But, <laughs> no, I'll just put you on the spot instead. That's fair. <laughs> I, that's really interesting, though, and it. I'm curious. Do the, some of those stick out to you because, uh, because some of those some of those saying yes to opportunities were uncomfortable for you, and ultimately they did pave the way. Or why do, why do you think that those were so significant in in your career? Because I mean, it sounds like when you look back, it's like, oh yeah, it's obvious. Like here, here's how <laughs> I got here, right? What I love about having done all those things is now that I've built this business at the news with uh, the co-founders here. It, yeah. Each of those pieces of my knowledge have been so useful because I feel like I I have in my toolkit all these different uh, all these different skills, all these different experiences that have informed the decisions I'm making while building another company, which has just been so invaluable. So tell Does me that about make- yeah, that makes a ton of sense, and I'm okay. I am just fascinated by people's different opinions on on the next question I'm going to ask, which is, you know, you've, you've done all these things and I have to imagine that those experiences are pretty invaluable for the type of role that you are in right now. Right. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you, what advice do you give people for, for those people? And so many of us really like, Hey, how do I, how do I get to the VP of you know operations and, and how do I get to, how do I go to the thing? Like, how do I, how do I, do, how do I think about that? So what, what advice do you give people who, when they really want to want to jump to that type of role? Cause I heard you say on one hand, look, this wasn't, this wasn't like your end goal necessarily, right. but on the other hand, um, you came in a very, very roundabout way. So I don't know. What, yeah. what do you say to those people? Sure. Um, I've just, I think the string that carries through all of this is that I've always found followed what has been exciting to me, what's been passionate to me. And for me, it's been that new thing, that that thing I get to build, that thing that 
um, I get to leave my mark on. And I don't necessarily feel like the title has mattered that much. The title I have now is kind of broad and, and general. Um, and that's okay with me because it's allowed me to to tackle all sorts of different meaty and interesting challenges. Um, I am not a finance and accounting person, but I've gotten to build a finance and accounting team with an amazing finance manager, bringing on a new controller, and, and soon we will hire a professional CFO, VP of finance to, to lead that team. But I've gotten the joy of, of building that for the past two years, and now I get to pass it on to someone who's, who's a professional in that. So I think actually the theme is that I've just followed what I've enjoyed and what I've been passionate about less than then having sought a specific title. Um, and I think there are, when you're, when you're passionate about something, when you're excited about it, when you end up, I have found that I end up spending tons more time on it. It's not something that I leave. I've never had a job where I've left it at work and gone home and done something else. I'm bringing it home, I think about it, I talk about it with my, my partner, I, I ask lots of questions, I research it, I, I never let it go and, and living it all the time. I'm always thinking about it. Um, and so for me, it's that passion that has led to my success. It's allowed me to to take on more, to uh, have, uh, to keep being challenged. I've continued to seek out interesting, passionate, meaty challenges. Uh, and then and that's been how I've gotten here, <laughs> if that makes sense. I'm not sure if that's helpful to other people, but uh, I would just encourage everyone to focus less on the title and more on the role that they find really, really exciting. I don't think careers have to be linear anymore. They don't have to be, you do these three jobs and that will get you this title or this success. I think it's more about finding something that really excites you and that you're you're really passionate about doing day in and day out. I'm so glad to hear you say that. So glad to hear you say that. You can help me spread the word and champion it across, I don't know, society, I suppose, in terms of you don't have to focus on the title and you don't have to focus on a linear career. It's not needed anymore. Absolutely. So that is that is absolutely fantastic. And what I'm taking from all this, the one thing that I keep hearing again and again in every single story that you've described, Lindsay, is that when you when you're paying attention to what is exciting to you, then as odd or logic possibly logical as it sounds, you're going to keep finding yourself in front of opportunities and challenges that are exciting to you. And <laughs> as as you know, as coincidental or not so as it sounds, but yeah, it's worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> I would recommend it. Well, and then here's the other thing I, I think too, is when you stop, when you stop focusing on what that end goal is necessarily and start focusing more on what, what is right in front of you and what mm. feels right now too, I'm hearing that that actually takes you on a better path because I think you could argue that, you know, if I identify the, if I identify that I want to be the VP of blah, 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 and um, I can figure out what the most efficient route to that is, but that doesn't factor in at all any of these other things that you've been telling us about the entire time, which is, hey, I want to be able to enjoy the conversation that I'm having after work because I'm so excited about what I get to do and dig into and, uh, you know, that type of challenge. So, Right. You know what's funny, Scott? I think if I had laid out my career plan after yeah. college, I, I don't think I would be here. I don't think I could have possibly envisioned that this is where I would want to be. Um, I think 
especially, you know, my dad is so, so like, oh, an art history degree, what are you going to do with that? You know, like, yes, yes. He, would, he would never believe that this is where it has taken me. He doesn't believe that this is where it has taken me. Uh, but I, I, I have really just loved that I didn't plan it out. And, and each, each role has, has worked out so wonderfully. But it doesn't mean they, there weren't moments, like you, like I said before, that weren't terrifying or I wasn't up late at night really stressed about, did I make the right decision? What the heck am I going to do in this new job? Oh, yeah. Um, especially the change after ArtNet. That was terrible. I mean, I've just never been so stressed in my whole life trying to figure out what to do after having been somewhere for 10 years. I mean, it, it was my whole life I'd given it. And you joke with my previous boss, I'd given it my whole 20s, you know, my whole 20s I went to, <laughs> to ArtNet. Um, but uh, that's a, it was a really scary change. So I don't want it to sound like it was this like wonderful, beautiful thing day in and day out. There's, there's high points and low points to not planning it out. Um, but I am really grateful that uh, it's led me to really interesting and amazing places. Uh, and I'm so grateful to be at the news right now. It's just a wonderful place. That is absolutely fantastic. And I'm so glad that you share that too, because very often I think that when people are in the place where they're trying to make a change and move towards something that they really do love, mm-hmm. then we get fixated on, first of all, that what's going to be on the other side is going to be absolutely perfect. And the reality is it's not like there's going to, there's going to still be like, yeah, you it's talk still a about, job. Yeah, it's, it's still a job. There's still challenges and not everything yeah. goes perfectly. But if you're following like what you're talking about, where you're following that, uh, I'm going to call it intuition for a lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're allowing that to lead you to some degree, then you're going to find that you're more often than not heading the right direction. So thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. Of course. I, I think it's really important to to know yourself as well as you possibly can, to take time to sort of explore what what parts of your role do you like, what parts do you not like, what um, what challenges you, what, what keeps you up at night in a good way, what keeps you up at night in a bad way, um, and try to seek a role that, um, or opportunities or challenges or specific tasks even in your day-to-day life that, that bring you the joy and the happy challenges rather than the stress. So the last question I really want to ask you, because you're in yeah. such a unique perspective to, to talk about this, is aside from trying lots of different things, which clearly you have, and I know that always, anytime you're forcing yourself to get outside your comfort zone or necessitated discomfort even, um, that's always going to cause growth and is always going to give you insight about yourself. But aside from that, what are some of the best ways that you've been able to learn about what you're great at and what you enjoy? Absolutely. Um I think there's been two key ways that I have really figured these things out. Um, one is just reading everything and anything I can get my hands on. So um, I actually found the muse uh, when I was in that transition period. I took six months off between Artnet and uh, the muse and and didn't know what I was going to do. I had no job or no plan. Um, and in that time, I just was reading anything and everything I could. So. The Muse was a huge part of that. I read so many articles on there, and I, I felt like I'd found like a supportive friend online who was willing to give me as much advice <laughs> as I could possibly take in. Uh, and the second has been talking to everyone I can talk to. So I would, uh, in that, that time off, I, I would do I would try to do a lunch or a dinner or a coffee almost every day with 
anyone who would talk to me. So people in the art world, people out of the art world. Um, and that's when I started to realize there was a whole world beyond the art world that whoa, whoa, whoa. would Hold be interesting on. to me. <laughs> that's awesome. That Surprise, it exists. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it, it, uh, it was learning to, to think about uh, the, the language and the terminology I'd been using in the art world. How does that translate to the world outside? Do, do my, are my skills transferable? How would I sell myself in a job interview uh, to, that, to a different uh, industry? How, do, how does one even talk in a startup? Do we, do we use the same lingo? Um, and that, that took talking to people uh, and really trying to uh, understand their experiences as much as possible. And I wish I'd had this podcast at the time, but uh, <laughs> things like that, just trying to soak in as much information as I could. I'm sorry, we we came around years too late. I, I apologize. Next time I'll do better. It's cool. I've got you now. <laughs> You've got us now. Hey, thank you so very, very much. I, I really appreciate you taking the time and making the time. And this has been an absolutely fantastic conversation. And I have uh, I have taken a bunch from it. And I know HTYCers have as well. Uh, if people want to know more about you or the Muse, where can they go? How can they how can they do that? What if they, what if they want more, Lindsay? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Um, no, thanks so much. The TheMuse.com uh, has tons and tons of content. And our, our my co-founders, uh, Alex and Catherine, uh, they have a new book coming out in April, actually, called The New Rules of Work, in which they actually pull content from TheMuse.com, and they really walk you through how to make some great decisions about your own career. Um, so that's an exciting thing to look forward to as well. Very cool. Hey, I do really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you, Scott. It was really great to speak with you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Happen to Your Career podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And I appreciate you. And guess what? We've got plenty more coming up next week right here on Happen to Your Career. So take a listen to what we've got in store for you next week on the Happen to Your Career podcast. What I quickly found out is that if you have a degree in history and you're, you know, good in a room and you do not want to become a lawyer, like on pain of death, you know, the avenue really open to you is consulting. It changed people's lives. Forget it. I'm just going to do it for a year because I enjoy getting a paycheck, which is terrible because I, I have a chocolate addiction. That's right. All that and plenty more next week. It's here on Happen to Your Career. I will see you next week when the episode releases on Monday. All right. I am out. Adios.